shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee. Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. You just described my exact state in waking up minus the need for coffee. (laughs) I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can be outside with the kids at camp without my eyes watering like a fountain, and I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. But at Hopetown, a frog could jump into your boat or your bed, (laughs) and Claritin can't really help with that. That's true, but they've got allergies covered. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Hey friends, welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. And I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you joined us for this conversation. Let's dive in. Katie Boatman lives in Nashville with her many golden doodle. She's the author of You Can Rest and You Can Trust and serves on staff with our amazing TSF network. But her favorite role is being an aunt to Shelby, Blake, and Ellie. Katie has spent 16 years mentoring the next generation through student ministry, and she is passionate about helping them understand who God is and reminding them they are not alone. If she's not riding or walking her dog, you can typically find Katie eating Mexican food with her friends. You can connect with her on Instagram at K-A-T-Y-B-O-A-T. Katie, it is so fun to get to sit down with you. And I have to say, David, I don't even know if you know this, but you have heard me talk about the choir room and how much I loved going to that a couple of times. I only know about it because of Katie. I saw, I followed Katie on Instagram and started seeing her go. And then, of course, the two times I went, Katie, I saw you across the room and never even got to say hi to you. So finally, we're getting to be together on Riverside that's a little closer than a far room away at the choir room, I guess, but it's it's fun to be in the same company. Yes, it is. Choir room truly has become one of my absolute favorite things. I look forward to it every time they have it. It's just, it's like the most fun thing just to go and sing and worship. And like, that's the only purpose for it. I think it's so fun. Will you tell folks who are listening what it is in case they don't know? Yes. So Dwan Hill about a year ago started the choir room just thinking, hey, there's all these people that talk about missing choir from growing up. And I wonder what would happen if I posted on Instagram and invited some people. And so he always says he thought like, 
you know, 20 people would show up. And the very first one, I think there was about 50 people. And I just remember that night thinking, oh my gosh, this is heaven on earth because it was just this diverse room of people singing for the Lord and no one was there to perform for anything. It just was to sing and worship together. So they started doing it monthly and they just recently had like their one year anniversary back in the summer. There were 700 people who came wow. to sing. So um, yeah, it's just kind of turned into this thing that I think Dwan never expected, but also they're being really open-handed about, you know, what's next. And I think it's awesome. It's so fun. Were you at the recording for Ben Rector with Ben Rector? I was, yes. Didn't, oh. know, didn't know that was going to go down, but it was such a fun surprise. And yeah, now that that single is out, I think it's so awesome. It's the Joy song that Ben Rector recorded and they've made a choir room version and all the profits go to the African Children's Choir, which I think is so cool. So it's the coolest. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, so not only do you sing, obviously, but, and we're going to talk more about you as we go, but you have written some amazing books that, Katie, we, I mean, I think David and I can't say enough how grateful we are for this work that you're doing because we're asked about devotionals all the time. And for you to have written, you can rest for girls and you can trust for boys. I mean, just, they're so, such trusted works for us to hand out to kids and families. And so we're just, we could not be any more grateful for you and what you have brought in these last few years to the world. Well, that means a lot coming from you too. I am really grateful, and but I also am really grateful for the work that y'all do. I am not a parent, but I am an aunt and a mentor, and I truly follow the work that y'all do because I learned so much. So um, the feeling is mutual, but I'm I'm really grateful to get the chance to put those resources out. We are too. Well, we are grateful you did too. And you know what? Let's start with this, Katie. We would love to just hear some of your stories. So tell us about your growing up and, and how you even found your way to the work you're currently doing. Sure. So I grew up in Augusta, Georgia, born and raised, and I'm a Georgia Bulldogs fan because of that. And my parents, <laughs> my parents are still there. And um, I have two older brothers. So one of them lives here in Nashville and one's in Atlanta, but really had just a fun, uh, pretty simple childhood growing up in Augusta. Um, I came to know the Lord at a really young age. So church and youth group and all that was a really important part of my life. And getting into my teenage and college years, I started to realize that I had a passion for kind of turning around and pouring into the generation behind me. And I became a young life leader in college. And that really defined my college years. I love young life. I'm a big fan. And that experience of just getting to hang out with high school kids and help them learn who God is really marked me. And so as I graduated college, I thought, well, this is the work I think I want to do moving forward, just working with students and teenagers and youth ministry. And the opportunities at the time just weren't there, like the job opportunities weren't there. So I started looking at anything and everything and was here in Nashville and found an opening at a publishing house at Thomas Nelson. So I was like, well, I know zero about the publishing world, but <laughs> they were willing to hire me. And I started there still kind of thinking, oh, I'm sure I will venture back into 
student ministry as my job. And I never did. I ended up staying in the publishing world for seven to eight years, I believe, and am still very closely tied to it. I don't work for a publisher anymore, but I have worked for a lot of authors. Previously uh, worked for Jenny Allen and If Gathering, the women's ministry, and then currently work for one of our friends, Annie Annie F. Downs. And so it's just been this experience where my like love for student ministry and passion for that age group has not gone away. I've gotten to serve with churches and, you know, in Young Life. And I work with a ministry now called the Teen Dream Center and have gotten to do that all while, you know, building this career with publishing and writing. And so kind of through that, that's also where I discovered like, wait, I have always loved to write. And I think I see a place where I can use this gift within my job, but also within publishing. And um, so it's just kind of been this really neat way that the Lord's shown me, hey, I see all the things that you love and that I've gifted you with, and like you can use them in different ways all at one time. So I feel really um, grateful for all of that too. Well, we are really grateful for all that too. Yes, we are. As you're, we're talking about the ages and stages in this episode of the podcast and thinking back on your growing up, what would you say was your hardest stage? Yeah, you know, it is crazy to like think back through childhood and the teenage years and middle school and all that. I don't know that I had a really hard stage as a child or even a teenager, which I'm really grateful for. I just think that... I don't know. I was just in a place where I I wasn't really dealing with a lot of worry or anxiety as a kid or a lot of peer pressure. I was really surrounded by a good group of friends. But my hardest stage was probably when I got into my early adult years, like the late 20s and realized, you know, I was out on my own. And that's when I first experienced like true anxiety And that's when I first experienced just a lot of like circumstantial hardship within my family, part of my family story. And I have my dad's permission to talk about this, but my dad is one of my favorite people, loves the Lord, but also he's a recovering addict and alcoholic. And so that has been true my whole life. But as a child, I really was shielded from it. And And I think that was, I think that was the best my parents could do. But as an adult, when those relapses have happened, it's become a harder thing to navigate. Even like, it's like, you know, more, you understand more. And so my heart breaks for the addiction that he's walking through. But at the same time, as we know, addiction doesn't just affect the person, it affects the whole family. So I think those kind of late, 20s and early 30s for me were the moments where I had to look around and go, okay, this feels like a lonely spot because when something so hard like that is going or happening with your family, you kind of lose that sense of security that like you can trust everything that's happening all the time. So, I mean, that's also where a huge part of my faith has come into play. I've had to learn to really rest and lean on the Lord's steadiness in those times. Mm, thank you for sharing that. Yes. Katie, I, when I 
first, my first year at Daystar. So I was 23 when my parents got divorced. And I think often that I, because of going through that in my really early years of counseling, I think I sit with kids in that situation differently than I probably would have. And I think, man, what a picture of God's redemption and what a picture of God's redemption that in your work that you're doing, in these books that you're writing, the perspective that you're coming from brings all of that to bear. And and I would think that the compassion and the empathy and the the faith that you speak into these books is different because of having gone through that. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. Katie, along those lines, is there anything else that you would say you needed from your parents or something your parents did that really made a difference? Yeah, I think especially in those seasons where addiction had reared its head, I think the best thing my parents did was find the help that they each needed before leading us as kids. Because when I look back on it, you know, my dad was obviously seeking help. And then my mom through therapy or counseling or her closest trusted people was working through her side of things. And so we always knew that there was an open door to talk about what was going on within our family. And, and we did, but we also knew that they were working on themselves. And I think I couldn't have told you at the time that that mattered, but now looking back, I think it's the thing that made the most difference um, for me. And in the same way, I was seeking out counseling and, you know, my trusted people and walking through it in that way. Um, And now we're at a place where, you know, my parents are still married. They just celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. That is awesome. And my dad is in a great place and he's mentoring people and walking them through what they're going through. And so now we can talk about it from this place of healing, you know, knowing that we don't know the road ahead, but we're still coming at it from this place where we've all done a lot of work and we're just in a healthier place because of it. It doesn't take away the trauma or the pain that we've walked through, but right now we're in a healthier place. And so I'm really grateful that they sought out what they needed. What a gift. Yes. Me too. So, okay. Looking back, what would you say was your favorite stage and why? Yes. I think my favorite stage was late high school years into college because I was a really reserved kid when I was little, like kind of shy and quiet. And so I didn't try a lot of things or really put myself out there. But I feel like as a late teen going into college, I was a little bit more confident in who I was. I kind of discovered the things that I loved and liked to do and was just ready to try all the things. And so when I look back, those were really some fun years where, you know, you go off to college and you're like, well, the decisions are now up to me. You know, no one's making my schedule or picking or helping me pick what after school thing I'm doing or whatever it might be. And so if you want to go try this one club at college or you want to go do this volunteer work or whatever it was, um, I just loved that. And I loved that like freedom and independence and 
it was just a really fun phase of life for me. Hmm. David, tell them where we're going today. We are headed to Colorado. I cannot wait. I can't wait. We spent a lot of time traveling. So what has become a top priority? Hydration. Yes, it has. But it can be so hard to get water in the midst of traveling and just the craziness of these days. Or when the flight attendant isn't available for a refill on a long flight. Yes, which is why we love Liquid IV. With just one stick, you can hydrate two times faster than with water alone. Plus, you get essential vitamins and three times the electrolytes as leading sports drinks. Liquid IV comes in 12 delicious, refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. My favorite flavors are acai berry and pina colada. I'm really loving the passion fruit right now. I love also that Liquid IV's convenient packaging is perfect when we're on the go. And we are always on the go. (laughs) Yes, we are. You know what else I love about Liquid IV? They are a company that gives back. That's right. Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in over 50 countries around the world. They partner with leading organizations to fund and foster innovative solutions that help communities protect both their water and their futures. And they partner with us because they are promoting relationships. My brother-in-law, I think his favorite ad that we ever do is Liquid IV. And so Aaron is going to like me even better now that we're doing this again. Yes, real people, real flavor, real hydrating. Grab your Liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco. Or you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code RBG at checkout. That is 20% off anything when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code RBG at liquidiv.com. Sissy, we just spoke in town last night and reminded the parents in the room about putting on their oxygen mask first. That great reminder that flight attendants give parents when they board flights. With summer rolling around and kids home more hours of the week than ever, that reminder feels so important. A hilarious dad who works from home told me last night at the book table that when school ends, sometimes his sanity does as well. (laughs) (laughs) You know who could help that dad out? Our friends at Wendy. Wendy is here to help parents relieve the stress in finding high quality sitters when they need them. I am talking daily with parents who are worried about summer childcare logistics. Wendy offers a nanny service where they match college students with families for the summer. We all love summer and your kids especially love summer, but we lose the consistent schedule of kids in school. This creates all kinds of problems. Thankfully, there is a solution to this problem. Wendy, that's W-Y-N-D-Y, is an app that connects families to college student nannies literally in minutes. These college student nannies are background checked, interviewed, and honestly, just awesome. Wendy has been around for seven years. Over 20,000 families have used Wendy to complete more than 140,000 jobs. There are hundreds of qualified college student nannies on Wendy ready to work near you. Families have greater childcare needs in the summer and college students are looking for jobs. Wendy is here to match families to these college nannies. Everybody wins. This could be part-time or full-time. Wendy has a match for your needs. All you have to do is go to wendy.com slash rbg to start a search for a nanny. And as a special offer, they are going to knock $50 off your search if you go through that link. 
Wendy provides top-notch service, but at a fraction of the cost of a traditional nanny agency and no ongoing fees. Here's how it works. Go to wendy.com slash rbg to start your search. A Wendy concierge will find great matches for your job and set up interviews for you. You choose the one you like. Get started now because there are a lot of parents out there looking for nannies for the summer. Go to wyndy.com slash rbg. Katie, in connecting the dots of your story, when looking back, do you see something about who you are today starting to emerge or what even contributed? That's a great question. It probably was that same phase of late teen into early college. And what contributed is people starting to speak, encouraging things over me. Like I remember professors saying, oh, like you're really gifted at that. Or the Young Life area director bringing me into leadership roles that I was like, wait, you want me? Like I'm kind of quiet, you know? And, and people saying, no, like I see this in you or I see this in you and just encouraging me and pushing me along. Those were those monumental moments where I look back and I, I see a shift in me. It was like those turning points. So I, I'm super grateful. And doing that now in your own place with other people. Trying to. Yeah. Yes, yes. And obviously we have already talked about how much we love your books. Would love to hear some of what inspired you to write You Can Rest and You Can Trust. What brought those about? Yeah. So it's so funny. This is not anything I expected. I definitely was in a place where I knew I loved to write and was doing a lot of writing for work projects at the time. But it was 2020 when I started You Can Rest. So we were mid-pandemic. And my niece, Shelby, was getting ready to turn 10 at the time. And I really wanted to give her some kind of special gift for her 10th birthday because we've always had a close little relationship. And I was processing that on the phone with my mom one day. And my mom was like, you know, Shelby just recently said she really likes to have something to read at night to calm her mind and her heart. And I was like, what? Like, at first I was kind of taken aback because I'm like, she's about to turn 10. What does she need to calm down about before bed? You know, it's just, I, I was kind of taken aback. But I realized then I was like, well, I could write something for her. Like, I love to write and that would be a fun little gift. So I set out just writing a 10-day devotional for her 10th birthday And I gave it to her, which was really special. And then I also at the same time was like, you know, there might be friends or family who are interested in this. So I self-published it on Amazon. And a couple weeks later, some of my former publishing like coworkers and friends reached out and they were like, hey, we want to look at this. And so we started having a conversation about really expanding it and turning it into a 100 day devotional. And that's how You Can Rest came about. And it came out in March of last year, March of 22. Then when it came out, the number one question that I got was, where is one of these for boys? <laughs> and I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I, in the beginning was like, well, that's, that's not on me to write that. Like, it's just, I was like, I don't think I'm <laughs> supposed to do that, you know? And the more that I talked with friends and mentors and um, other like men in my life, 
they were like, no, you definitely could write this, but also get help, like ask boys and men in your life what they think. And so I pulled together my nephew and his friends and we sat around a table with a bunch of snacks and fidget spinners. And I asked them what they worried about. <laughs> and I asked them, you know, what also like, what are the things that bring you peace? And their attention span was a little short, you know, but <laughs> we got some good answers. And so I used that information to start writing You Can Trust. And David, I also sat down and read your book before I ever started. And so... I just, yeah, I, I really did a lot of intentional work in like having conversations with men that I knew and boys that I knew to make sure that I was writing this from a place that would actually be helpful. You know, I don't want to take a guess at what was going through a boy's mind. Um, but yeah, worked on You Can Trust. And um, my nephew is now very excited to have his own copy of a book that's for him. And um, yeah, that's that's how it all came about. Mm. Well, will you talk a little bit? I mean, I feel like I can't have a conversation with you without acknowledging, too, that you can rest spun off into this amazing song yes. by two of our all of our mutual friends. And that song came out last summer, I guess. And we sang it every single night at Hopetown, no matter what age the I kids were. And just knowing that so many kids are dealing with anxiety, it felt like the sweetest ending to our night and the sweetest sending them off to bed. And it is still such a foundational song at Hopetown. And so will you just talk a little bit about that really quick, David? I interrupted you. I'm sorry, but we got to talk about the song. We have too. to. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes. Well, I love that y'all sing it at Hopetown. I remember Hillary texting me a video from last summer. I think she had stopped by or something and y'all were singing yes. it. And I just, I she think I cried that. right there watching it. But <laughs> And um, you mean Hillary Scott of Lady A, we should say. Yes. Yes. Who recorded the song. Yes. With Dave Haywood, the amazing Dave Haywood. That's right. Yeah. When I had finished writing You Can Rest, um, but before it had come out and released, I woke up one morning and was thinking about how much music calms me down when I'm worried or anxious. And I just was like, man, like we have to get a song for this book. I don't, I, you know, I don't know if anyone will listen to it, but I just would love the idea that these kids would have a song to listen to that could also be a tool to calm them down. And Dave Haywood and Hillary Scott have been friends for a long time. So Dave and I grew up together in Augusta, Georgia. And then Trinity on the Hill. Yes. Trinity. Oh, we love that church. We've spoken there. Yes, we yes. do. Yes. But those people raised me. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we've known each other for a long time. And then my brother worked for Lady A for a long time. So I got to know Hillary wow. as well. So I reached out to them and I was like, guys, I know y'all are so busy, but like, here's this idea that I have. And I also know you have girls and what do you think, you know, and they were just so gracious. They said yes immediately. And so we sat down and wrote that song together. And I mean, for me, it was just such a special songwriting session. I'd never done that before because I don't, that's not my world, but I just was sitting there. We had the book open to the table of contents and we were spitting out different lyrics and they were using lyrics that like the Lord had put on my heart that they didn't even know were in the books, you know, and just different things. And I was like, man, I just, this is, 
incredible. So I've been really um, blown away at just the way that God's used that song, especially with y'all using it and just different people that have reached out and told me what it's meant to them. Um, I'm so grateful that Hillary recorded it and released it. So yeah, it's special. Well, we will Mm. put a link to it in the show notes, certainly. We love it. Well, and I love that you told that story, Sissy, and that Katie, you got to see that video from Hope Down because I, I I think about that being just one more layer of this gift that God's given you, this work he put on your heart too, and all the different ways, not just the reading, but the singing of how your words are pressing into the hearts of kids. And so you wrote me the kindest note when you sent me a copy of the new book and, and talking about reading my book. And it overwhelmed me to think about that in any way being helpful as you were writing that, because I have been shouting from the rooftops about your book because I get asked all the time. There's so many fewer resources for boys in that space. And it just thrills me to know you and love you and be excited to champion that work. And I think I'm excited about kids reading it on their own. I'm equally excited about parents and kids reading it together and have heard stories of that and just would love to hear you talk about what would you hope that could even come from parents and kids reading together? Yes, I equally was kind of blown away when You Can Rest came out and parents were reaching out to tell me what they experienced reading it with their kid. Um, I had a friend tell me along the way, she's like, you got to quit telling people that this is for eight to 12 year olds. She's like, I'm 44. And I loved it. (laughs) Yeah, I just hope it's one of those moments where whether it's first thing in the morning that, you know, you, you read it together before school, or it's right before bed. Or I had a friend text me the other day, she's like, we're reading it at the dinner table. um, Before we eat, like we're reading one a day. And so I hope it is a moment as a a parent and a child or as a family that you get to stop and connect for a second and just pause, you know, and, and remember what is true about God, because we all know the day is crazy. And I, yeah, I hope it's just this like special connection point. And on top of that, you know, my goal for both books is that it would just be one small way to point these kids back to a God who is steady, a God who is safe, a God who is not like worried when we are, you know, a God who is not going to sleep in the middle of the night when we're like, well, I can't go to sleep because everything's crazy in my head. Well, he's, he's still working when we're asleep. And so I hope that that is an encouragement to the parents too, when they're sitting there reading it with their kid, because we know that the days are um, a little insane and we need those reminders as much as the kids do. Yes. I love that so much. Well, Katie, you and I share probably that maybe our favorite roles are being ants out of all the things that we do. And you are the proud aunt to Shelby, Blake and Ellie. And you also work alongside, as we mentioned, one of our other favorite aunts, Annie F. Downs. And we cannot say enough about the importance we feel like that aunts and uncles, David has a sister and brother-in-law that speak a lot of truth into his kids' lives, have a really important role. We just can't say enough. What would you offer by way of encouragement to aunts and uncles that are listening? Yeah, being an aunt really is one of my favorite things. And I would just say, 
your presence matters more than you think it does. I grew up with aunts and uncles that like the majority of them lived in my hometown. And I would see them on Sundays if we would do like a family lunch after church, or I would see them at church or whatever it may be. They were at all the birthdays, all the things. And I have a close relationship with them to this day. So in my mind, just that consistency and and presence and also a listening ear, I think what I've learned from my nieces and nephew is that it helps just to have another voice that's not their parents, because we know sometimes you just aren't interested in the opinion of your parents. And I've learned that too, as a a mentor and small group leader and, and student ministry person, but to think about it from the perspective of an aunt that some days if they want to come over and just watch a movie because they want a little something fun to do and and they want me to listen to their stories at school but not try to fix it, I'm here for that, you know? And I think that's really important. Mm. What a gift you must be to those kiddos. I'm so grateful Absolutely. they have you. Well, and Katie, I love that you spoke to your experience still to this day. And and I'm the same way. I mean, I'm a man in my 50s. And if one of my three aunts texts me at any point along the way that they've read something, heard something, seen something that I did, and it just, it overwhelms me. I cry sometimes when I get their texts. And it's just that yeah. picture of everything we're discussing, like that role doesn't start and stop at a certain point. It's ongoing. So I love that you spoke to that. We'd also love to ask you from all your years in student ministry, what would you say you learned about students in that time and some foundational things that you think they need? Yeah, I think one of the things that's probably stood out to me the most, and and this is a, a young life term, is just earning the right to be heard in their lives that, you know, we can't just expect to show up on day one and be like, here are all the things you need to do, but really building a relationship with them. And I think the most pivotal moments that I've had with students have happened on their own turf, meaning they've invited me to their house for some reason. They've um, invited me to their volleyball game. Um, I lived in California for a short stint. And I remember a 13 year old girl being like, can I teach you to surf? And it was one of my favorite, I was terrible at it, but it was one of my favorite memories because we were <laughs> floating out on surf, surfboards and she was opening up to me for the first time. And those moments, I think of letting kids bring us into their life are really important. And I, you know, I feel the same way when it comes to being an aunt. I would, I would love to be at every play and football game and all the things, um, just to be that presence again. And I think, you know, I think these students need a reminder that we are a listening voice, that if we're going to be um, adults in their life who point them back to God, that we would be a place that is safe, that they are allowed to talk about whatever it is that's on their heart. I always want to be that place where they don't feel like they have to filter something for me, but they really can just tell me like it is. Your heart sure comes through when you talk about them, uh, when you talk about the work comes through in the books. And we want everybody not only to find these books and buy them, but also we want them to know how they can follow along with all the amazing work that you're doing. 
yeah. you tell folks where they can find you? Sure. Well, um, as far as the internet goes, I mostly hang out on Instagram. So I'm at Katie Boat. It's K-A-T-Y B-O-A-T. And then you also can find my work at katieboatman.com as well. But those are kind of the two places where I am the most these days. Katie, we like to end with something fun and food related. So we're going to ask you a two-part question. Part one is queso or guac. Part two is what's your favorite taco? Yes, I am very passionate about this topic. (laughs) I am... (laughs) I am queso all the way and my friends and family all know that about me. Like if if I am having a good day or a bad day, my answer to everything is let's go get some Mexican food, some queso, some tacos, <laughs> whatever it might be. And my favorite taco, I'm trying to think. Honestly, it's not here in Nashville, which is very sad to me. We need it. Uh, but it's Torchy's Tacos that's, oh. yeah, mostly in Texas. I, I also lived in Texas for a stint. And I mean, I, I like a lot of them. I don't know that I have a favorite, but like Torchy's in general, if I just want a quick and easy taco, that's my go-to. So I am still hoping and praying that Nashville will get one. Surely. <laughs> Surely. Yeah. Torchy's, if you're listening, come on. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we'll start a campaign. Yes. Katie, thank you. Thank you for sharing such grace and truth and light in this time with us and in these books. We're just, we could not, like I said, we could not be any more grateful. And David and I will continue to shout them from the rooftops and tell all the kids and families that we know about your great work. So thank you. Yes, we will. Did you love today's episode? If so, would you mind sharing it with a friend? Send a quick text or email with the link to the show. Join us next time for another episode where we'll bring you help and hope on your journey of raising boys and girls. 